Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Happy Friday, Jen. Hi, Mayor. Happy Friday. How's it going in in your neck of the woods there? Well, I've got some planned time off here in a couple of weeks, and it can't come a moment too soon. (laughs) Why do you have planned time off? Because I can't, I I don't ever get a day off. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that. I don't ever get a day, a night, and it seems like sometimes an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can be like a 24-7 thing. You're juggling a few jobs, you you move, getting ready to be a grandma. I mean, you got a lot of balls in the air. I got a lot, and I got a lot of caregiving things going on. You know, that I I think for most of us, we put on a pretty good good face a lot of the time. And inside we're like, okay, if I do this for 22 minutes, that'll give me eight extra minutes that I can do this other thing. And it's hard. It's hard to get it all in. It is. I just made some phone calls just before we jumped on to do the podcast for a couple of caregiver, caregiving tasks that needed to be taken care of that I'm the only one who can make the phone call for. And I like when people say, you know, can't you get some help? And you feel like, well, like I can't. At the yeah. Not everything is, is requires somebody from the outside to come in and help you. There's Sometimes there's too many personal caregiving things that are going on that need attention and it can just be overwhelming. So have you decided what you're going to do for your time off? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go to a beach. Um, Yeah. Going to stay in a hotel. I'm going to be super safe about it. I'm not leaving my state. Fortunately, my state is surrounded by beach. (laughs) So that works out really well. And um, just, I'm going to try to unplug for like three days. Okay, good. I love that. So that's in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But, um, and it's also my birthday that weekend. Ooh, happy birthday. I'm not going to tell our listeners how old I am, but I'm probably, if you met me in person, I'm probably older than you think. Mm-hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Well, I had, I had a sideways compliment one time, not too long ago, actually. I put a picture of Lily, my granddaughter, two, a little more than two years old, and me in our sort of patriotic gear. So I did a side-by-side and somebody said to me, oh, you look like you could be like 40 except for your hair. And I was like, okay, I think my feelings might be hurt about that, or I could just go with I kind of maybe look like I'm 40 <laughs> because I'm well past 40. I did finally get my hair cut, Mayor. Nice. Does it feel good? Oh, it does. You know, I had been months and months and months and I'm sure I just, I wanted to be super safe and it was, and I'm so glad that I went. Um, and I did something else this week. What'd you do? Well, you know, sometimes we have a special unplanned guest on our show, Annie, the rescue dog. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, uh, I dropped her off at the vet 
and let the vet just take a look at her. I wanted to make sure like she barked so much and she seemed so anxious and I want to make sure like nothing was wrong with her. Like, you know, like physically wrong with her. And she is a Malinois. So her breed is very attentive and alert and responsive. And uh, the vet has, we put together a plan. We're not medicating her, but we're using some natural things to help just help her be a little bit happier with life and a little bit calmer. And so I'm hopeful that even if somebody comes today, it won't sound like dogs of war in the background. <laughs> so you'll have to let us know how that goes. I will. I'll report back. Okay, please. Because we've had plenty of Annie in the background. And isn't that something that a lot of people are struggling with though? Like their dogs who normally are Maybe that maybe they bark at the FedEx van and they have for years, but you didn't know it because you were at the office, right? And um, you weren't zooming every day. So I'll report back. I'll report back. We're only 24 hours in, so it's too early to collect data. Okay. Yeah. Well, we podcast all the time, so I'm interested. It almost could become a self care thing if it works for you. That's how I felt about it. Like. I needed to do this for me because it was making me anxious. It made me feel unprofessional and it heightened my, just my sense of anxiety and nerves mm-hmm. all the time, not just when she was doing it. Cause then I started anticipating her doing it. <laughs> and then that makes you tense and then you can't really be yourself or yeah. on the professionalism that you need to have. So I get it. Well, fingers crossed that it'll work for you. I had a pedicure yesterday. You did? I had the first pedicure since uh, COVID came to the world and knocked us all out. It was a really safe environment. It was so great. It's so cool. It's the podiatrist's office has a little foot spa. (laughs) I put put the picture of it on my Facebook page. Like this is for Mary and this is for Tom. Like how, how many doctor appointments do we go to And like, we sit there and we look at our phones. We're like masterful on our phones because we just sit there. Well, I didn't bring Tom because he had been there the day before and I didn't realize I had a foot spot, but I went the next day and I was in a room all by myself. The only issue that I had was the nail tech just talked a little too much. Like I really was like nodding off to sleep because I was like, oh my God, this is This is like heaven. I haven't had a massage in forever. Those are like my little self-care moments, you know, that I run out and I do all by my, you know, just, just me. Like sometimes I have to bring Tom with me to get massages and then it's like a thing. It's not really for me. And then they'll say things like, do you want to have like a couple's room? And I say, God, no. <laughs> we have a couple's life. <laughs> we have like every minute of every day together, you know, I mean, come on. So, it, so, but it, anyway, it was, it was really good. I, it was too much money and worth every penny. Well, sometimes you have to spend money to feel good. I mean, and if you don't have it, then you have to find another, you have to find a way to get, you know, the chair massage at the mall, which for free, the five minute free chair massage. I mean, I've done that before just because I had to. And then now that I have some means, I'm able to pay for a full massage and it's delightful, but you have to get it where you can with what you have. I have a, a caregiving, like, I don't know, sort of challenge that happened to me. What happened? Well, um, we have telehealth mostly still for my brother with the VA and 
Well, it's hard to interpret tone and I don't know, meaning sometimes on text, but for someone with a brain injury, it can be also hard on telehealth, you know, just on seeing a two dimension. Um, when you have a brain injury, don't necessarily pick up on hand gestures or facial expressions. And those are even harder to see now when you're doing telehealth than you're doing Zoom. And so um, I had a lot of conversation with my care recipient last night about that and really was struggling to help him understand, you know, kind of, I was trying to play devil's advocate, but at the same time, like I, I get it. And, and I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to make it better. I don't necessarily want to reach out to the provider and say, Hey, your digital bedside manner needs some work because, you know, I've spent hours last night triaging that. And, but then at the same time, I don't want it to happen again. So I'm wondering if you have any sage advice for me. Um, I, do you know the provider? No, it was a new one. A new provider. And what's the expertise of the provider? Is it neurology uh, or? No, it's social work counseling. And you, that's an issue right now with telehealth because you're going into a queue and at the VA and you're getting like the first available person. So you could have five visits and it would be five different people. And you wouldn't know until just be, you know, right when the appointment starts. I, since it's, imp it's important for them, I, I would reach out to, there must be a, a director of social work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would reach out to the director of social work and explain this particular situation with your, with your care recipient so that they would have a greater understanding and say, he doesn't, he doesn't, he could, cause he can't really read facial expressions. He doesn't, he can't understand like the difference between a, a laugh and maybe just a smile or in, maybe even inflections in somebody's voice where, and if you're not there to interpret for him or kind of slip in and sort of save him from that, seeing that he doesn't get it. I would reach out to the director of social work and ask the director of social work to help you work toward a solution. Instead of saying like, he needs this and he needs that and he's not getting it. I would say I could use your help in, under, you know, in trying to set this up so that these, these sessions are more valuable to, um, my, to my brother. I will do that. I think that's good advice. And you know, it's a reminder for our listeners also. So it's okay sometimes to go to leadership, to go to management and share an opportunity, which is really what it is. It's an opportunity to enhance the care that is given to my brother. And you're asking, you're asking to be for them to work with you instead of like, so we tend to, and we have a guest today, I'm going to bring Megan in in a minute. And Megan is a caregiver of a veteran as well. And I think she probably will agree with us that we sometimes come at the VA in, in a more aggressive way because of our frustration with the levels of bureaucracy or maybe past experiences. But I have been finding that when I come to them with a sort of open mind, open heart and say, I need some help. I can't figure this out by myself. And then I think once I've exhausted that, I say, okay, this isn't working. We have to go to another level because at the end of the day, it's our veterans 
who need the care. That's what we're looking for. We're not asking for anything more than the level of care that they have earned because they are veterans and they are disabled with the Veterans Administration for whatever reason. And so I try to bring it back to them and I try to go with that open heart, open mind. And I think for the most part, it works. I think people are pretty, um, pretty responsive to that. Like I have said for Tom in various situations, um, can you help me get the care that he needs? Because we're not getting it right now. COVID has made it impossible to get this care. So what can we do together that can get him what he needs working from home? And I've been successful. I've had to be very patient, maybe more patient than other people will, but in the long run, it really paid off for us. And will again, I have other things that are coming down the pike that I have to reach out to the VA with. So well, let us know how that goes. I will, and, and thank you. Thank you audience for listening to sort of my challenges and thank you Mary for weighing in and I am looking forward to our special guest today. Who is it? This is Megan Swanson. Megan lives in Connecticut. Megan is an Elizabeth Dole Foundation fellow and that's how how we met. We are um, we are decades apart in age. Megan could be my child <laughs> and her her children could be my grandchildren, which would be just fine. And one interesting fact about Megan and I that so few people know is we share the same maiden name. And it's an unusual maiden name, it's Han. Um, so H-A-H-N, very different name. So when we, when we realized that we shared a maiden name, that was really kind of fun. And there's another fellow that does as well. Maybe she'll come on one day too. Um, and we can, we can talk about how unusual that name is, right? Um, so Megan is a caregiver for, um, for her husband. Um, and so we're going to bring Megan in right now. This Megan is so diverse right now. There's so much to talk to her about, but first let's get Megan's caregiver story. Cause that helps us understand why she's a guest on the show. So welcome Megan. Hi guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so uh, this is always really kind of a, a uh, a hard not it's not a hard story to tell but it's it's interesting to me because I'm still learning to own that I am a caregiver because it's you know when you get when you get married or you have a family member or even a, a friend that is injured or ill and they need your help you just do it so it it uh, I took on the title because the VA offered these benefits and and I was like, yeah, this will be great. This will kind of set us up with an extra nest egg and I'll be able to, uh, it'll, I'll be more welcome into your appointments and be active in your, in your health. And it'll just be, a, it'll, it'll kind of smooth the way. Um, it didn't always, <laughs> it still doesn't always. Um, the, uh, it's gotten better. Um, but uh, so Matt and I were married in 2009. <laughs> Um, and, uh, he got his official TBI diagnosis rating shortly after that. And then we've just gone on from there. And because it's taking me so long to own that caregiver title, there have been times in the past where I haven't been able to step up and say, no, this is what has to happen. Uh, it's gotten easier. Um, He's in, a, he's in a treatment right now called neurofeedback for his uh, 
anxiety and TBI and PTSD. It's incredible. Uh, I highly recommend it to everybody, but insurance just doesn't cover it everywhere. Luckily in Connecticut, the state insurance does cover it. And it's not available through the VA choice, choice program. I spent months fighting with the VA to try and get it in there and they just, it wouldn't allow it. Um, so we got him on the state insurance and it's been, it's just been a godsend for us. Now, Megan, when, um, when Matt was diagnosed with a TBI, mm -hmm. he already was, which branch of the service was he in the Marine Corps? Marine Corps. So did he medically retire or had he gotten out? He medically been, he was honorably discharged. And then, uh, and then, you know, the VA, I'm sorry. Now my dog is going nuts. <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't bother us or, or our they wouldn't be listening. To no, you don't want to, I don't know what you want Max. Um, and, uh, so it was, it was really interesting to see who, like when we got the diagnosis, who really rallied behind us and said, okay, here, we've done all this research with you. Like we've read everything you've given us. Thank you so much for keeping us in the loop. And who really didn't, you know? You mean in terms of the like, VA and the military? The, the VA, the military, our friends and family, there were people who, because they couldn't see it, didn't want to acknowledge that a TBI was really there. Mm. We've heard that before. And it isn't limited to brain injury. We've heard no. that you know, related to other conditions, like, oh, they don't, they don't seem that bad, or I think you're yeah. exaggerating, or they can do more. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. A very big issue with the invisible wounds, right? So people, people identify so much better when they can say, oh, you know, I can see that injury, or I can see that um, brace on somebody's leg, or they're in a wheelchair but you can't see what's going on in the head. And, and some of the traumatic brain injuries are, are so devastating, even mm -hmm. though you can't physically see it. So it's a, I think in some ways it takes a lot of patience on, on the caregiver's part often to, to, to kind of give that education and whatever yes. levels that we can get, you know? Now, I really, I truthfully, I really lucked out because the second we got, the the diagnosis my so my mom is a psychiatric nurse practitioner that's not her actual title and she would be so mad to hear me call it that <laughs> and my dad was in um was a therapist for many years and they really they went out and they did the research same with my with my in-laws they they were like okay we got to find out what this is how can we help you what can we do um that really helped a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. well that is good because that gives you people who understand what you're going through. So not, and not even just that, but like if a lot of times with um, TBIs, you know, sometimes you just can't go somewhere. Sometimes it's not a good day. Yes, yeah, exactly. Have to say I'm sorry. And it's hard for those who don't live in this world that we live in. Mm -hmm. it's, hard for, it's hard to even for us as caregivers to maintain friendship outside of the caregiving community because you know, like a great example is yesterday, I had somebody contact me, somebody I know really well, she wanted to know if I wanted to go do yoga at a house and we would be like safe distance apart. And it wasn't a good day for it. Like we, mm -hmm. I mean, and that's all I need to say to you guys. It's just not a good day. And you're like, that's all right. And I, and I know you'll ask me to come back, 
but I don't, I think at some point I won't be asked to come back to this because I'll have to say more no's than I will yeses. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a disappointment, but it's understandable, but it's a disappointment. So it's so great that your family understands that. And yeah. how you, so I was just listening to a podcast the other day. I'm, I'm right now binging Brene Brown's <laughs> podcast from, yeah. uh, what are they called? Unbroken? God, that's probably not. I have her in my library right now. I'm going through LeVar Burton reads because I'm a reading rainbow kid. So then what are they called? I'm going to have to look now. Oh, unlocking us. Brene Brown's unlocking us. And I was just listening to one yesterday and they were talking about the resilience of children. So I'm, I'm going to pull some out and I'll share some of those quotes with you because there's transcripts to their podcasts they're very well developed as a podcast. We're Jen and I, so we're, we're like really lucky we even do podcasts on Fridays. <laughs> I couldn't even unlock my mute because my mouth stopped working before this call. So, um, you know, I, I can use all the Brene Brown I can get. Right. So I, so I'm binging her on my treadmill and then going back and looking at transcripts. And so I'll send you some pieces of that because you have young children who are growing up. That'd be great. You know, in an environment where their dad has disabilities and they are not visible and their friends will wonder why sometimes. So maybe there'll be some pieces in there that I can share with you. Let's so, put a link to that in our show notes too, to that. Okay, well, that would be great. Um, so, so you have, so you have three children. I do. I have three boys. Okay. And they were born after Mac got out of. Yes. Yeah. So we. So Matt and I were, uh, we were high school sweethearts and then, uh, we went our separate ways. He went in the military. I went through college. Um, and then, uh, he came back <laughs> Yay. and, uh, yeah, and the rest is, uh, is history. And so we were, so he was, let's see, 2001, 2005. Um, I graduated college in 2006 and then. Uh, Lucas was born in 2012. Okay. He's my oldest. And then Zeke was two years later and James was three years after that. So you've been busy. So, (laughs) so let me, I have two questions for you and then I'm going to send you over to Jen for some questions and hope Jen, you dig into some of her, um, her self-care because she has some diversity of self-care going on here. Um, So what, what do you think has been, or is the most challenging part of caregiving for you? Well, just like you said, that fear of not being asked back. I have a, so we moved, I'm originally from Illinois. Matt spent most of his childhood teenage years in Illinois. Um, And we moved here because we weren't getting the support we needed in Illinois, the VA. The VA had some issues in Illinois and they went through and basically fired everybody and had to hire a whole new staff um, in 2008, 2009-ish. It was, was very, it was a very strange time. Um, and, uh, but even still, like they just weren't, he, in the time that we were in Illinois, living together and then married, there were two doctors that I remember actually helping and not just 
throwing meds at him. Um, and those same two doctors actually, even though the caregiver program hadn't rolled out yet, um, they actually took the time to listen to me as to what was going on, what I could see on the outside. And that was very important. Um, so we moved here uh, to be closer to a friend of his that he served with in the Marine Corps and to get established in kind of a better, more supportive community, um, which really helped us. And then uh, I found a local mom's club chapter where we are in Southeastern Connecticut. It's a big, the Coast Guard Academy is here, the, the Groton sub base is here. Um, so there's a lot of military families in my local mom's club um, who are very like, no, no, we get it. We understand, you know, um, but there are a few who, who don't. Um, I have a really good friend, our friendship since, oh, before the pandemic, but we've really gotten a lot closer. And, uh, and she said to me once, she was like, you know, you are such a mystery to me. I, I really had no idea that all this was going on in your life. And it's just like, well, you say these things and people, they're like, well, he can do, you know, it looks like he can do more. He can, you know, why, why this, why that? And it's just, and I'll answer all the questions. I don't, I used to have problems answering them because not because I was embarrassed, but because I didn't want to violate that privacy, but it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. No, no and invisible wounds can, aren't just limited to our veterans. You know, right. I, I'm sure that you've found a lot in common with caregivers of folks who've had um, minor strokes or maybe they have a learning disability. Mm -hmm. And um, gosh, it's so heartbreaking to think that we have to see something to believe yes. that it's there. Well, yeah. I have to say you struck me so deeply when you said that, like I, I teared up when you said like the fear of, um, not being asked back that really hurts so much when you're when you're not asked to come back because because you said no or because you're different like you know we had so we didn't have a tbi but tom had has a cognitive impairment from yeah. from encephalitis and he didn't fit in right like had nobody even knew what to say like how come he's not working you know yeah well, okay, because he looks really good and he does, but he can't work, you know? And like, how much do I divulge of that without impacting his self-esteem, you know, his pride in himself? He was also a Marine. How do I, how do, I do that or don't I? So sometimes I didn't and I, yeah. I closed rank and I'm gonna cry talking about it because it's so deep at how, often we, we were, and me in particular, was, was left out of the rest of the functioning world because- Maintaining our care recipient's dignity. I mean, I know for me, I'll take any hit. Yep, we will. I know, we will, and we have. We've like jumped in and, you know, and I even do it in doctor's offices, you know, because yeah. I hear him, I hear him like giving all of his histories all wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how you been feeling? Great, really? Because you were in bed for four days with um, relentless migraines. Remember all the vomiting? Remember all the, the medicine? <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And I know our caregivers listening are, that's resonating with them because, um, I think that we have to be that clear. We have to paint the clear picture. Otherwise they don't get the care that they need. Mm -hmm. One thing I've always admired about you, Megan, and I've known you, um, gosh, since 2015 for five years. Yeah. Um, one thing I've always admired about you is that you, you aren't afraid to be assertive. Um, Oh, I am, but thank you so much. <laughs> well, I see you as an, as an assertive person. And even when I first met you, um, you signed up for Run, Ranger, Run. We, we both did this virtual 5K. And or it's not really a 5K, but it was a virtual run like for the whole month of February. And the funny part now looking back is that like everybody does that now. But back then it was like this new idea for everybody to run on their own every day. Yeah. Sort of report back. And um, I just love that you were a, a new person to my social crowd, but that you jumped right in, you were encouraging people. And I loved that. And I've seen you over the last five years, you know, not be afraid to share your story, not be afraid to stand up for your husband. And it's, that's really a difficult thing. Now, Mary and I know that you do something for self-care, but I'm wondering if it also helps you be assertive. Um, you are a kickboxer. I am. <laughs> Tell I us am. about that. So I have always loved martial arts my whole life. Um, I had a horrible experience when I was a child with a karate class that I took. Um, the senseis were, it wasn't, uh, it's weird because as a child, like your memory is really skewed. They weren't mean, but they weren't encouraging and it wasn't, it wasn't a good environment. So I stayed away from it. I had a couple of friends who did martial arts and I never, <laughs> because of the level of my anxiety from childhood onward, I never thought to ask my parents again to try it again because I thought they viewed me as a quitter. I was eight, you know, like, so it was so ridiculous the way my brain used to work. Um, and then my oldest was having anxiety issues. Uh, and we did not want to medicate him at five. We wanted to explore other options. And so we knew he had been wanting to do karate. So we found this great dojo where their main goal is to help children in the children's classes. Their main goal is to help build confidence, coordination, and develop skills where if they're faced with a bully, they know to use their words first, but they also teach them how to safely extract themselves from the situation. Um, that was a big deal to me because Lucas was bullied heavily in kindergarten. Um, and then watching him grow through the program. And then my middle son had started to show an interest. So we got him enrolled. Uh, and then Matt, uh, Matt and I were sitting down one day and I'd been going to this gym called Orange Theory. Anybody? Orange Theory. It's a circuit gym. It's the most intense circuit gym. It I've ever. Me. All the all the lights inside are orange, and the people have like their heart rate shows up. Yeah, 
it's like a competition almost and it just frightens me but I know people that are into it and it just produces amazing. I loved it but the closest one we have is 35 minutes away mm -hmm. and it's expensive so I was talking with Matt and I said listen I we, I was like, I know we can, we've made it work. We can afford it, whatever. But I was talking with Sensei Cheryl uh, at the dojo and she, you know, once three or more people in the same family are enrolled, there's a family rate and it was cheaper for me to switch. And Matt said, I don't know what took you so long. You have loved martial arts forever. <laughs> like, let's do this for you. Let's get it done. Let's get it happening. Uh, so I enrolled and then the next day everything shut down for COVID. So I started my kickboxing journey online, <laughs> which was wild. <laughs> that is really wild. But did you like it starting it online? I mean, you I did. I, uh, yeah, I loved it. The, the teachers are great. And they're really like, they'd never minded when they moved it to zoom. Cause at first they were just doing Facebook live classes and those were kind of hard. Cause you couldn't really see the technique. And, um, but once they moved it to zoom, the teachers never minded if I, if I interrupted the class to ask a question or, um, and they all were really, even online, you could feel the sense of community with, within the dojo like they knew everybody by name and you know they would stop and say oh god you know wait you know good punches Megan and you know way to kick Natasha and like it was just really it's, it was really great like the only time you're allowed to kick somebody yeah. yeah yeah and so and in addition to kickboxing you are also a masterful knitter <laughs> I am thank you yes Yes, your work is beautiful. If people wanted to see your work, where could they see it? Uh, I mainly post it on Instagram now. Um, oh God, I don't know what my- Haley's comment? Yeah, it's uh, my my Instagram is, you would think I just would just- You can put it in our show notes too. Yeah, it's Haley's comment crochet 521. Um, I post, I'm a millennial, so it's a lot of selfies. Yeah. But yeah, when I do, when I get the time to knit or crochet, uh, I definitely post because I, it's just so much fun. <laughs> well, you do some, you, your work is just impeccable. As Thank you. So I, I think that shows such diversity for you. You know, you're a kickboxer and you're a knitter and you've returned to school and tell us what your degree is. I have, I'm going for a master's in arts of English creative writing. How far along are you in the program? I'm about a year in, uh, I should be. So right now, so my plan was when I started um, that once all three of the my boys were in school full-time, I was gonna increase my workload to full-time so that I could finish faster. Uh, that did not work out. <laughs> So I've been taking one class at a time. Um, and if I stay on this track, I'll be done December, 2021. That's good enough. That's, that's definitely good enough. And I'm, I'm going to turn the rest of the podcast over to Jen. Jen, I feel like I've been a big hog today. <laughs> no, you haven't. You're the rock that we, that we are, our foundation is built on there. Well, um, okay. So Megan, as Mary mentioned, we have had a lot of guests who are from organizations or 
companies that support caregivers are involved in the caregiver space. But um, so I want to ask you, you know, who is supporting you? If you had to give a shout out to an entity, who would it be? And if you can't think of one that is currently supporting you, who would you, who do you think should be supporting caregivers? So really the, the, uh, mom's club that's got an umbrella of mom's club international and then local states have, uh, have their own states and cities have their own chapters. So, um, really my, the greatest thing I ever did was join the mom's club of Waterford, New London. Um, because there's, even though with some of them, there's that fear that they will stop asking. I do. I did find a really good group of core people that, understand and know and just keep reaching out. Now, if I wanted to join Moms Club, how could I do it? So most uh, local Moms Club have their own public Facebook page. Uh, it's, uh, and it's so Moms stands for Moms Offering Moms Support. Hmm. Um, so it's all capitals. And then so you would like in Facebook, you would just type in all capitals, moms, club, and then your town, or you could Google it and they would find one close. Um, I feel as though you can go to their actual web page and, and look up a, mm -hmm. uh, a local chapter, but I'm not, I, I didn't have to do that. I, I met a mom at a, a toddler play group and she said, you know, you'd be a good fit. You should, you should come and join us. Well, one of the things that we talked about on a recent episode, and Mary, you might remember this, was that, you know, one of the thing that helps me so much is having peer support. And Mary is an integral part of that. Um, and it also helped me during my brother's employment. Um, the mom of the medic in his unit, Patty Donahue, was uh, so vital peer, as a peer support for me. Um, and we talked about, like, it can be tough, but you've got to find somebody mm -hmm. that gets you. Um, and Moms Club sounds like a great place to start, especially for caregivers who are moms raising kids. Um, so I, I really appreciate that very much. We're always looking for new resources here. And I think it's important to have peers, if you can find them and if you your time will allow, that are not in the caregiving specifics. I, uh, I agree because it, it just it's because a lot of times I really I love the relationships I've gotten with, that I've developed with other caregivers. Um, but sometimes you just want to check out. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be overwhelming for sure. Yeah. And, um, and I just also wondered, so your kids are getting old enough now where they can start saying, seeing um, particular differences between yes. their family and other families. Mm -hmm. um, how are you handling that? Do you have a plan for tackling that as they get older? It's something that I kind of did a mom fail on that. Um, my son was eight when my brother was wounded and I really didn't share things with him at all. I wanted him to just... I, I tried to shield him from it yeah. so, so much until he was a teenager and then realized, 
well, he knows it all. He's seen it all. He knows it all, except he hasn't had my guiding hand in interpretation. So I'm wondering what your plan is. So I was raised uh, by hippies. Um, <laughs> and my, my mom, dad, and stepmom did a really good job of uh, keeping an open door even when they knew that I, yeah, 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 I'll come, you know, I'll tell you when something's wrong or whatever. Um, they were always honest with me about what was going on with them, uh, with their health, with their jobs. So I've really, Matt and I have worked really hard to be that way with the boys, keeping it age appropriate, of course. But as they've asked questions, we've answered them as best we can. We're just, we just take it a question at a time and uh and uh because sometimes the, the the problem is is that sometimes the question that they're asking is a lot simpler than the answer that i give or that matt gives and then it opens a whole new uh world of questions so i have to work kind of hard to remember that they don't have all those shades of gray yet mm -hmm. that if they're asking a question that seems like a yes or no question probably is yeah then yes or no is probably the answer mayor yeah. do you have you have a lot of experience with this because tom uh, became disabled while your kids were young and so i'm sure that they saw so so much um how did you handle that so they were um young they were eight and ten years old so it was grant's age when tom got sick and I, and it was, and they saw all of like him being sick, like IVs and spinal taps and MRIs and, you know, here's your dad. I got to go park the car. Don't lose him. And then <laughs> get lost and then the kids would cry. And um, I, I told them as much as I thought they could handle. Yeah. I was as transparent as I think was reasonable for young kids. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will say when I reflect on it, I wish that I had got my kids some counseling. I think it was a tough age for my son who was 10, having his dad out of commission to be a little league coach and because mm -hmm. he likes sports and to do all the like boy things that he needed. Mm -hmm. But he the kids had to defend them a few times when they were they were at playing sports and he was trying to work the concession stand and he at that point couldn't put one and one together like quite literally that some of that brain power came back but it was a long road and and they you know i wasn't always prepared for that but i did try very much to tell them and i do remember telling them that you know, that he had to have another treatment and the poor little things that were in Catholic school uniforms and we were sitting in a mall, got, I had given him ice cream. I was like, okay, let's go out. Dad's taking a rest. And then, cause the, cause the whole IV thing was really, it was home IV, but it was like big, you know, it was things that the kids weren't used to seeing. I'm like, my daughter just bawled. <laughs> and I laughed, but I mean, I felt so bad. She was in like her little green plaid uniform with a yellow shirt and the tears were just popping off those freckled cheeks, you know, and, um, but I still think I did the right thing by telling them, you know, I think not, I think the worst thing is for them to not know and guess. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And there were a lot of times my brother was big in sports in high school. And my son remembered that he remembered that his uncle was on a state championship football team, you know, and he knew that he was this badass, you know, infantry, army infantry, decorated war veteran. And then he was just kind of absent from all the things that you would assume they would be a part of like Boy Scouts and coming to my son's wrestling matches or his cross country meets. And um, I, I, I think he was about 15 when he just sort of said, mom, you don't have to try to keep this from me. And in some ways it was a big relief. Well, sometimes mm-hmm. they teach us. Like, I think that's Megan, like your point well taken there. Your kids are asking you a question that can be, you know, three words. No, dad can't do that, you know, or a few words. When then you go into a big explanation as to why he can't do that. But they didn't ask why. They just want to know if he could. So sometimes the children lead us better. Though I do think that for my kids, um, they would have benefited from some counseling. I quite frankly, I couldn't afford it. I knew they needed a little bit of counseling. There's a, there's a lot of grief that goes along with, um, especially, you know, and maybe not even as much with your kids, Megan, because they're growing up from this from, they don't know, they've never remembered anything yeah. different, right? Where my kids were used to their dad going to work into New York City every day and he was gone most of the day. And now here he was home, not only home with me, but all of the things that came with that. And it must've been confusing for them. So. I, I think I neglected that I didn't give them counseling. I don't know that I could have handled one more thing on my plate and I didn't have the money. So I, I had, I had, um, I don't think I felt guilty because, you know, can is can, you don't have the money, you don't have the money. So I don't think yeah. I felt guilty, but I think I felt a little remorseful that I wasn't able to deliver that to them and it might've been better for them. But I will say they're in their thirties and though my son is struggling now, it has nothing to do with the way he was raised. It's the way his thing was in the army. Um, and maybe someday he'll come on and share that story with us, Jen. Um, but I think that they, for the most part, have done okay. And, we, and I'm very close with my children. So I think that that speaks volumes. And, and Jen, you're very close with Grant. Yeah, so close um, that he tells me things I probably don't really want to know, but um, I'm like a hippie parent, I guess I keep that door open and I, I definitely always want him to share with me and to be involve me in conceptualizing solutions to problems, not, not solving them, not writing a prescription, but just talking it out. And my son uh, I did have him in counseling as, you know, when he was little, because he was angry, right? And I couldn't see where that where the anger was from. Uh, I had a, a hurdle though. His neither his dad or his stepdad at the time would engage with that counseling. And I will say it has to be the whole family, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the struggle that I, if someone's listening and they thinking oh I don't need to be involved I don't want to be involved I don't like psychiatrists I don't like all this head shrinking um it's it's so much better for the kids if every all the parents are involved um I 
I don't regret that. I wish it had continued. And I do want to say for our audience, there are some resources available that don't cost money now that probably didn't exist when your kids were little mare, like through school, Mm -hmm. um, through religious organizations, through, there are some nonprofits because what we've seen in the last 20, 25 years is the great need. And so there are some, um, organizations that have stepped up to the plate to offer those. So a great place to start it for anybody is give an hour, whether you've been in the military or not, that's a wonderful place to start. And also NAMI or NAMI, N-A-M-I.org. So giveanhour.org and NAMI.org are great places to start if you need to find counseling and support. So I have, so switching gears just a little bit, and those are all great. I wish I had that information. I wish that was available so many years ago, but I'm, I'm just really glad it's available now, you know. Um, but we'll, we'll switch gears because we've kept Megan so long on this podcast. Uh-huh. But this is a good one. It's so good. Um, what, if you could share with our listeners and with us, um, I asked you what was the biggest challenge among the biggest challenges as a caregiver, what what would you say is, is among the best of being a caregiver? Uh, the f- God. So before the boys started school, um, and even when they first started preschool, um, because I'm home with Matt, if he got it in his head, like, hey, let's go visit my mom, or let's go visit your mom, or, you know, whatever, we could just pack up and go. It, uh, it afforded us a lot of time with our family who lived really far away that most people don't get. Um, and even after the, like, once Lucas started kindergarten, it got a little bit harder. We actually have to plan our road trips now, but we've, we've driven as far as Colorado and we've gotten to see family that most people I don't think really would get to see as often as we get to, um, not right now, (laughs) but, um, but it was, it, it was always fun to just be able to call up and say, Hey, we're coming into town for a couple of days. Like, do you have space for us? Do we need to get a hotel? Like whatever works. And, uh, that has, that has been awesome because we really lucked out all three of the kids road trip really well. Uh, they, they don't mind sleeping in the car. They, uh, um, and Matt and I just have so much fun just getting in the car and just going places. Wow. I'm kind of jealous of that. That's great. I don't know, I'm, someday I'm going to travel. Jen's going to drive me all around the country. <laughs> well, you always have a place here. Jen knows how to drive an RV, so. She's- oh, nice. I do. I have a funny story about trying to visit Megan in Groton, Connecticut, I had a speaking engagement and I was only in town for like 18 hours. So we couldn't, and she had just had a baby. So we couldn't, we couldn't make it work. Cause I only had like a one hour window or something crazy. But do you know, Megan, that night that I was there, I actually stayed in a, an, a nursing home in a nursing facility. Oh, really? Cause I was speaking there and they offered me a free room. And I have to tell you, it was really incredible experience. Uh, we had a guest uh, a couple of episodes ago and he, he stayed for a week. He lived in there for a week as part of like an immersive fellowship. Yeah. And so I'll never forget my visit to Groton 
and uh, I went to bed at nine o'clock. But this, the particular facility is right down the road from your house. And I, I hope to retire there. I will drive my RV there, park it Ooh. in the parking lot, put a for sale sign on it when it's, <laughs> when it's time for me to give my keys away. Because they have a little coffee shop in there. They also have an indoor pool. But this coffee shop, about three o'clock every afternoon, it turns into a pub. That's and just, it just was, the, it was just the kind of place, you know, where you can talk yeah. to your friends, hit the hay early, take a swim in the morning. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I hope to get back when I'm traveling again to Groton and then we can meet up yes. in person. Uh, and I know many of our listeners are probably dying to meet up with their friends in person. Yeah. Well, we all, right? So, yeah. Been so much. Like, it's so great that we can see each other on Zoom, but. I mean, it does, just doesn't replace face-to-face, in-person. Yeah. 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 Well, this has been such a great podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you being a guest. And as much as we love all of our other guests that come on, our very favorite are our caregivers because we really are this caregiver life. I, in fact, last week when we podcasted, we were minutes before ending and I got a call from the VA and, and this is a real benefit to having co-hosts. And I had to leave the podcast without a word. I texted Jen and I said, VA social worker is on the call. So like, I had to go. Like, I couldn't miss the call because yeah. I did, who knows if you can ever get back to that phone number, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if we're listening to episode 55, we want you to know that Mayor is just fine. Everything worked out. It was just one of those phone calls that you have to take. Um, and it was really fun, actually, uh, to be able to, to lean in for a caregiver, I've had those moments. I know we all have, you know, right? And it was for me. I didn't I didn't phase me whatsoever. <laughs> I knew, and I knew that it wouldn't. But I I felt kind of bad for our guest because he's not a caregiver. So for any of us, we would have been like, okay, I can step right in. Yeah. I can make stuff up right on the spot to keep <laughs> the podcast going, you know, because it's what we do, right? We make we like. Oh no, I could do that appointment. I've been waiting forever for that appointment. Let's just make it. Let's just get it done. I'll take the kids out of school. I don't care what I have to do. We are get we are gonna be there, you know. Now the only I have a funny story about that. For a while, my file in the VA was flagged as me being a difficult mm-hmm. caregiver to work with. Because mm-hmm. when I I had to be induced with Lucas and Matt had a uh, a neurology appointment. We'd been waiting for months for it, but it was on my induction date. And I called to reschedule it. And the operator kind of gave me a hard time about it. And I might have yelled. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but yes, other than that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, that it happens. But I would say the most successful caregivers and I, and so how do you even rate a, a caregiver, but the ones who have, who deal with so many stressors, the best are the ones who can move and, and groove with whatever's going on, who have a lot of flexibility yes. to do whatever they need. We find like how many times when we've gone to the Elizabeth Dole Foundation convening in um, October and how many caregivers just need to sleep for about 17 hours, you know, because yeah. they're, they're so on. And how many of us just step in and say, don't worry about it. Whatever you got to do, we got it for you, right? Because we get it. We totally yeah. get it. So, well, we appreciate you being on. Jen, you Thank wanna, you for having me. 
Yeah, we love it. So Jen's going to share. If you think of anything else you want us to share in the show notes, let us know. I will. Um, we'll put your we'll put your um, knit knitting Instagram page and Facebook page, right? You have one for knitting. I I closed the Facebook okay. page. It was uh, mm-hmm. was too much. Okay. Yeah, we get so it. We'll put yeah. We'll put the Instagram one on. Um, we'll put a little bit of background for you and we'll share some, some of the resources you shared with us and thanks. And how can our listeners find us? Well, I would love for caregivers who are listening and are, and would like to join us for a painless podcast. I, I think Megan will attest that it's, this didn't hurt. Not at all. A few tears. We forgot to give you the tissue warning. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um, but we'd love to have you on the show. And the way that you can do that is that, well, there's a couple of ways you can email us this caregiver life at gmail.com, or you can hop on our website, this caregiver uh, There's a little form you can complete and share your story with us. And if, if you don't want to be a guest, um, you could always email us your story and, and we can read it. Maybe we'd have a celebrity read it. And, um, <laughs> and, and, share your in you know your experiences with our listeners because what we've learned is that when caregivers share with one another um our all of our experiences improve and if you want you can share us with your followers on your social media channels so share us on your instagram and your facebook we're in all those spaces um and don't forget give us five star review uh, where you listen to your podcast because that helps other caregivers find us Yep. That's great, Jen. I appreciate you and I appreciate you too, Megan. Thanks for, for guesting with us. And Jen, till the next time. Till next time.